Hi, I'm Tim. And I'm Jenny. And we are the, the Irreverence. Irreverence. Welcome. Glad to be with you, Tim, with his radio voice. My movie phone voice. Yeah. Um, back back when I used to rent a call center. I did uh, not. You have you remember, done all you the things. The movie phone thing. You ran a call center. Yeah, you know, I had like forty-five employees. But what was it a call center for? For uh, student aid processing. So wait, oh wait, you weren't collecting money from students. No, no, I was like you know, setting students up to go to college with oh scholarships and loans and all that. That's very sweet. I was just listening to a This American Life episode where. Uh, Jonathan Goldstein was telling a story about how he accidentally worked 10 years in telemarketing and turned out he was really darn good at it. And that was really depressing to find out that was something he was super good at, but he was selling newspaper subscriptions, which is not something that. um, What is a newspaper? I know. Well, that we certainly understand. That's the whole thing. I, I'm talking about movie phone and anybody who's like younger than 40 is wondering what the heck I'm talking about. Right. You remember that, right? You know, call up. What, what's playing? You've selected making out rated R for adult situations and profanity, you know. So have you seen any of those videos of the um, younger kids, like kids my kids age, trying to work a dial phone? You know, like <laughs> they, don't, they don't get it. Like... Does not compute. Yeah, exactly. Wait, what? Seems so obvious. How do you text on this? Exactly. (laughs) Why does it have letters if you can't text on it? Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I think we we got our first push button phone when I was, I think, seven. So So. I remember when I was like 13, no, 14, and we moved from California to Virginia. So I was getting a new bedroom. So I got a push button princess phone yeah that cream color yeah and they were like 300 pounds you could like kill somebody with them oh yeah the base of it man (laughs) um i felt so grown up tim oh my god i had a phone in my room take my important calls Mm -hmm. my best friend carrie um okay this sunday we have one of my favorite readings from the you know what i say they're all my favorites no okay i don't say they're all one of your things that's true (laughs) <laughs> but this one is, I think this one's one of everybody's favorites, especially oh, among such clergy. A good story. It's, it's like one of the great call stories, you know, the Old Testament. So it's from 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses uh, 1 through 10. And then they have the option for 11 through 20. We'll go ahead and do the whole dang thing because it's awesome. How's that? Yes. Awesome. All right. Plus, you so, hate it when people cut things out. <laughs> yeah. Weak sauce. Preach the hard things. Confront it. Okay, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called, Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, 
I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling as before, Samuel, Samuel. Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. Then the Lord said to Samuel, See, I am about to do something in Israel that would make both ears of anyone who hears of it tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew, because his sons were blaspheming God, and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be expiated by sacrifice or offering forever. Samuel lay there until morning. Then he opened the doors of the house of the Lord. Samuel was afraid to tell the vision to Eli, but Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. He said, Here I am. Eli said, What was it that he told you? Do not hide it from me. May God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all that he told you. So Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. Then he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seems good to him. As Samuel grew up, the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was the trustworthy prophet of the Lord. And here is the lesson. Mm. God, that's such a good story. So this Samuel story begins actually with his mother, Hannah, who... Um, Desperately wanted a kid. Yep. Wasn't happening for her. Yep. Go up to sacrifice on the appointed feasts. And uh, and then she's crying and crying. And praying Mumbling. hard and all that stuff. And Eli, the same guy we we're talking yep. about, looks at her and is like, what's this drunk lady doing in my exactly. temple? Exactly. And then she no, says, no, Lord, I'm not drunk. I'm just, you know, yeah. one. And, and, you know, the bottom line is like, you know, the, the other, I mean, it was a, uh, it was not a mono, monogamous marriage situation. And uh, the other wife was mocking her because the other wife was able to have kids and all the other stuff. And so it's. Which is such know. a background story for so many of these women in the Hebrew Bible who can't have children. And then suddenly they yeah. have children. Yeah that the sister wives are mocking them or the villagers I'm not going not, not going to lie all these all these things actually are rather bothersome to me as somebody who you know we, we weren't able to have kids so but that's a digression well still a hard the, thing um the, yeah that this is also a sign of these human struggles are are eternal yeah and the heartbreak deeply, someone, deeply yes the human experience yeah and so Hannah does get pregnant and yeah. she promises that she will, if she has a child, she will um, give him in service to the Lord, not like right. abandon him, but, and this so child is Samuel. So she has Samuel, weans him, and then gives him to the service of the temple. Yeah. 
I think one of the interesting things in this text, which is set up right in the front, is the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. Widespread, yeah. Wow, is that true today? Uh huh. That was true in the days of John the Baptizer, mm-hmm. which is another reason why people were so blown away by him, because the prophets, you know, the prophets. It's been, it been over a hundred years since they had a re- you know anything approaching a reasonable prophet, and several hundred since they had one that's you know one of the canonical prophets. So. And and Eli's big sin to God is that it's Eli's sons who are primarily the the bad guys, but Eli doesn't chastise do his sons. Yeah, he doesn't. And as a parent, I also understand that. I understand. I understand the deep love for your children that you know as a priest. Okay, Eli was not the same kind of priest that I am. This was the temple sacrifice priest, yeah. a different land, but yeah, we're presbyters. That's a different deal, but you know, yeah, At, that he knows that his children are blaspheming God and that the punishment is death. And he's not doing anything about it. He's, he's not. not. It. And I get yeah. it, but his son's Phineas and Ferb, just joking. But... Oh my God. I love Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> um, but this is one of the, this, this line is meant to help you understand that even though Eli is faithful, Eli is not expecting anything. He is not expecting a miracle. He is not expecting a vision. He is not expecting this. And then also, they tell us his eyesight has begun to grow dim. Yeah, he's so got cataracts. He's old. He can't see. He He's probably been waiting his whole life waiting but also avoiding because of his sons for God to say something even yeah. even then much many years or not that many years earlier eight or nine years earlier he mistakes Hannah as being drunk instead of a woman who's deep in prayer mm-hmm. um and so he misses this cue and we have this hilarious like I love Lucy scene um, I didn't call you go lay back down exactly and and the fact that he doesn't pick it up for the second time is is kind of funny. Um, what? I didn't call you. Go lay back down. I know. Oh so wait. Then, yeah. By the third time, he realizes what what does it say? Uh, then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Right. Um, and he tells him to go lay down again. I love that it says the Lord came and stood there. Yeah. Wow. Right there. Well, yeah, it's a temple. It's the place where the Lord and, comes to on earth. So and Samuel is in, in. At this point in time, it's not the temple. It's a tent temple outside of Shechem, uh, which is now modern-day Nablus uh, in the West Bank. And it's where, not too far from where the where Jacob's well is. And uh, it's at the base of Mount Gerizim. Uh, which is where they, the first place that they did sacrifice and where the descendants of the Samaritans still do sacrifice to this day. Which sets up the the whole thing with uh, Jesus and the woman at the well. Right. Where gives us a, a bit of context for that. Later. So tell, give us a little preview of your sermon on Sunday. What Tell us 
you know, that thing. Well, I don't want to give away my trade secrets. Come on. Oh my God. Come on. That's what we're don't doing. I don't know if the, the parishioners are going to, but basically, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm doing one of those sermons where you do a repeat phrase throughout. Right. And the phrase, I because am. the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And visions are not wide, would not widespread. And I'm, you know, I'm taking that all the way through and touching a little bit on the civil rights movement and Martin Luther King Jr. Because the following day, Monday will be MLK. Oh, right. So, so are you saying that the vision, the word of the Lord was not widespread, that we had become out of practice so that people, because people like to look back now and say that everybody loved Martin Luther King and you know, everybody likes oh, yeah, no. they were on the side of the of no, I'm going the, I'm right. going right into the fact that they all got the crap beat out of him in Selma and different stuff like that, you know. That that at best the well-meaning white people were Eli, at best, who didn't see it, didn't see it, yeah. didn't see it. I I'd like to say that there were a few that weren't, you know, like the freedom riders and everything else. But, yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure. But, but but yeah, I mean, and I mean that's the whole point of his letter from a Birmingham jail, right? Is he's yes. he's writing to to the religious leaders, a couple of whom were Episcopal bishops, yeah, and saying, you know, exactly that, you know, like, don't you see the Lord in this? The the, the non action is is in a, in abhorrence. Yeah, so. it's worse. So, um, what can we learn from this? What can we learn from this? I mean, it invites us in a general way to not be hard of seeing and to awaken from sleep to the possibility of God really standing right there with us. What does this mean to us today? Because I I love the story. I think the whole the whole thing for me is that God's always speaking. Mm-hmm. And, and it's only when we quiet ourselves sometimes enough mm-hmm. that we can hear quiet of the night in the desert, desert of Shechem. Right. Um, well, and wow, Samuel, Samuel hears, but he misunderstands. Yeah. Um, Cause I was just thinking of this from Eli's perspective, but Samuel is young and it tells us he didn't yet know the Lord. So I think this text invites us to try to get to know God in some way so that when God does speak to us, we recognize who's speaking. Um, because, you know, I was I mentioned this this American Life episode I just listened to. There was another the, the theme for today was um, plan B. So people who were going to do something else and then had a plan B. And one of them was a guy who decided his plan B for raising money was going to kidnap Frank Sinatra Jr. You know, which, of course, is pretty much everybody's plan B is go right to kidnapping. And he had a business plan. Especially, for- you know, kidnapping the kid of somebody who's tied in with the mob. Right. That like makes, this is makes not total sense. like that's going to work out really well for you. Well, he flat out says a sane person does not think to themselves, I'm going to kidnap the child of the most well-known entertainer in the world who is despised by the FBI and linked with mob bosses. Right. Who does that? But anyway, one of the things he says was he was a good Catholic boy. He would go into church and light candles and pray. And God would tell him that he was good with the plan as long as he gave the money back you know, later after he was able to invest in and as long as nobody was hurt. And Ira Glass asks him, well, do you still hear voices? And he says, you know, no, not anymore once I stop drinking. Um, 
the key is that's a different voice yes the key is to know who is speaking to you and how do you get to know and that's actually interestingly tied into this just in samuel's name itself oh shmuel which means god has heard Oh, I didn't right. know that. So, so he hears, it's a play on words. And of course, that also ties in, of course, to Sam, to the, that story we just yeah. told about. It's right. not a story. Because God, God, heard, God heard Hannah, and, right. and that, that's why it is named that way. But, but then the only one who could hear God is the one whose name God has heard. Right. Right. So that's nice. You know. and, and yet, even he needs to learn to know that voice. Yeah. So how do we get to know the voice of God by listening, by and studying it? Even, by, even though he was imperfect, Eli's mentorship helped him to recognize it. Yeah. <gasps> Ooh, nice. And you know, when that, that's a grace for those of us who are clergy. I mean, you know, cause I, I don't know if anybody's going to be surprised about this, but none of us are perfect. Okay. Hold on. You say that. And yet as we speak right now, our current seminarian is sitting here in the office with me next week. She will be in, we'll have set up the microphone ahead of time so that she can be a part of the conversation we have. Um, Don't let her know that I'm not perfect. I mean, okay. Let the record. How long has she known you now? Huh? How long has she known you now? How long have you known me, Erica? Uh, Just six months. That's long enough. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, darn. She's over there laughing, but she has a cough, so she I can hear that it's going to get her coughing. Um, okay, so okay. let's let's move to the gospel. Um, the gospel is, oh, I love this because this has Jesus with a sense of humor. This is from the Gospel of John, chapter one, verses 43 to 51. Ain't nothing good coming from Nazareth. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe me because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the son of man. And here ends the lesson. Okay. Love this snark. Love this moment. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Jesus like totally comes back with the joke. Finally, an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Love that. Love the humor. Love the snark. All right. Um, 
I love that. But of course I love that Jesus is a little bit snarky. And, and I, there are moments in the gospels where Jesus is funny. And I, I, it's like how I hate how Mary gets put in a stained glass window. I hate how these moments, Jesus's humanity gets sucked out of him. So I just, I like that. Um, you know, the Samuel lesson had this thing about visions were not common in those days. And here's this, there, this moment seems a little similar to me. When Jesus says, do you believe me? Because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than these. Like Nathaniel is all like, yeah, nothing good. You know, yeah, I don't believe you. This is baloney. And <laughs> Right. And then Jesus gives the tiniest little, tiniest little, I saw you under the fig tree. Yeah. And Nathaniel's all over it, which is kind of adorable. About Couldn't have possibly. That fig tree is well hidden. Yeah. Well, but also like. Yeah. And, and the other thing to remember is like anytime fig tree comes up in the gospel, it also means Israel. So Nathaniel's under Israel. Oh, I see what you did There's there. Some symbolism there. Dun, dun, dun. Um, but yeah. So. So this also harkens back to people have no expectations for God being fulfilling God's promises, for God being tangibly present in the world anymore, for... And, and certainly not in ordinary things. Yes. Right. Right. Like, um, well, or in their own time, in, you know, today... We have met him, and it's just your friend saying that. It's not like the temple announcing, you know, Philip's in two of my favorite moments like this, though, you know, where he goes into Nathaniel's body and says, We found him, you know. But then also when the when the Greeks come to him and say we would see Jesus. In oh, Holy right. Day, Please, we would we would see Jesus, you know. Right. So you have like this moment that Philip's involved in um, bringing in Daniel, who's a representative of Israel. Israel. And then you have the Greeks the representatives of the Gentiles. Um, yeah, Holy that's really Holy nice. I hadn't Holy noticed Holy. it. Was, I hadn't noticed it was the same guy. Um, but yeah, that's really, that's really meaningful that Philip then is responsible for making that connection. Yeah. Um, On both, both ends. So, so. What can we learn from this gospel that feels relevant, except from the fact that Jesus was really human and a little bit funny? I feel like there's a part of it that's, again, like the ability to recognize, to recognize the clues when they're there, even though yeah. they're living in a time when it's been a long time since people generally agreed you know, God was at work visibly in the world. Mm -hmm. That Nathaniel, it only takes a little bit to flip Nathaniel from cynical guy to, oh my God, Rabbi, you are the son of God. Ah, you know, um, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. He flips easily. Yeah, um, like the, the, it's really, as far as, the gospel of John's concerned, the first like statement of divinity. So it's, it's oh. kind of a, out of some. I don't know if this means anything, but but Nathaniel's name, as long as we you know talked about Samuel's name, meaning God has heard. Nathaniel's name is God has given. 
Give it, so yeah, because uh, Natan is gift or yeah. Um, so God has given. Oh, so so the gift to him is of the. He starts out cynical, and then he has the immediate recognition. Yeah, conversion or conversion, one might call it. Um, okay. Anything else you want to say about this? I don't think I do. Okay, then it's my turn to pick a uh, lectio. What you got? I don't know yet. How about now? 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 At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Let me read it one more time. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. What sticks out for you? Um, I think the thing that's sticking out most for me is the lamp of God had not yet gone out. Mm. And that ties into like the entire thing, right? Right. Um, God being present. The lamp is representative of the presence of God in the Holy of Holies. And uh, it shouldn't go out. You know, it should be trimmed and, and tended. Which uh, is but, why Samuel's sleeping there. Yeah, right? and so it's, so it's kind of indicative. If if Eli's letting the light go out, he's not fulfilling a basic part. But I think I think the thing the reason that that sticks out to me is it's just the very truth that we express from the prologue of the Gospel of John on that a light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. And I just find a lot of hope in in that statement. So I think. I think one of the reasons I chose it was that this whole idea, Eli's eyesight had begun to grow dim and the lamp of God had not yet gone out makes it sound as if the light is now is, is flickering or it's, it's lower, but it hadn't gone out. It was a light force. It's like dim. Yeah. And that connects with uh, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. This whole beginning is very much about the light is very dim and may be about to go out. And you, I get this sort of picture of the, you know, it's cobweb, you know, there's cobwebs and it's dusty and it's just like, it's almost out. And that feels very much like, I don't know, maybe in all times people have thought they were in dramatic times. But may you live in so very precipitated times. There's so much, yeah, so much suffering, so much even calamity on the horizon that it's easy to feel like to see that we're in a time where the light is dim, our vision mm -hmm. has grown dim. 
our ability to recognize God's presence in the world, to hear God's voice, see God's movement. Um, we're out of practice. And but the lamp's not gone out. Huh? But the lamp's not gone out. Right. And this story, Eli hears it, and there's no snark. It just takes him a little. With Nathaniel, Nathaniel is just cynical, which I think a lot of us are cynical. I mean, it's not just snarky. I think a lot of people are cynical about religion, about God, about people who are religious. Um, and, you know, you can't get God to solve your problems for you and all of that. And I think both of these stories together invite us to see that the lamp hasn't gone out. That just because we haven't seen God in the world or recognized God's voice doesn't mean God isn't out there speaking. And it's up to us to wake up and recognize it. So that's exciting. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Uh, except we can't always tell what your voice sounds like. So we've got to work on that. Yeah. If only God would speak with an accent. I long have wished that God would speak like James Earl Jones. You know, like, so you would know. Though then, I don't know what James Earl Jones family and friends do. Like, they can't tell whether it's God or James Earl Jones. I'm just stuck on the fact you want God to sound like Darth Vader. That's not, I I'm do. Just... Yeah, but not like, the, <laughs> not like that scary, heavy breathing, you know? Like, not that part. But, like, his voice is so, like, melodious and... Deep. I am the Lord your God. Yes. Thou right. shalt have no other gods before me. Yeah, but, yeah, that sounds a little bit scary. Yeah. But you know what? Maybe God, but God should be a little scary. Right. Fear of the Lord is an important right. aspect. It's a real right. thing. All right. So what's your prayer or your blessing to come from this? Uh, my prayer is for all those whose eyesight has grown dim in whatever cause that has worn them out. Mm. That they will see the light and be rejuvenated. What's yours? I am going to pray for all those people like Hannah who are yearning, who are heartbroken and yearning for a child, mm. that their prayers are heard, that they know they're not alone, that from the beginning of time, people have had this struggle, that God will hear. That's, that's my prayer. Amen. Oh. Okay, well, so uh, next week uh, we will be recording the podcast with the Reverend Be Becky Zartman and Erica Benson, our seminarian, will be with us um, because Tim, the Reverend Tim Watt, will be beginning his transition to be the Dino in Reno. The Dino in Reno. Uh and it involves much packing and moving and negotiating. Across the country and unpacking and and literally starting starting to learn to love a whole new group of people. Yeah, and saying goodbye to a group of people you've loved. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. So um in the middle of doing all that right now. So so our prayers go with you, and we'll see you, you. again uh on the other side. And um so. yeah, so uh, all right. Well, so then Tim will see us in uh, 
four or five weeks, something like in that. Lent. In Lent, right? Yeah. All right. It'll be your Lenten discipline to have to listen to me again. Instead of Becky or whoever. God help us. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So rate us on uh, iTunes to help others find us. And uh, we'll see you soon. Yep. Hi, everybody. Tell a friend. Okay. Bye now. Now, Philip with, I can't say, Philip with Flum. Ah! Now. How are you doing there? <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. Now. Oh, some outtakes for this year, this week. Philip this week. Okay. Philip, Phineas, and Ferb. Yes. Okay. Phineas and Ferb, I can say. Philip with Fwambeth Theta, I can't seem to say. Okay. <laughs>